I'm disappointed in a system that failed me. I'm disappointed in a system that it took me 44 years to prove my innocence with the type of evidence that I had. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Sanagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. Just want to give a quick shout out to all of our patrons out there on patreon.com slash OPL show. If you sign up, you get uh, bonus episodes and you also get a look behind the scenes of how me and Greg go through our process every single week. Uh, so go check that out. Yeah, and today we'll be speaking with a man by the name of Ronnie Long. And to understand Ronnie's story, we have to travel back a little bit to 1976 to Concord, North Carolina, where a woman's house was broken into. She was violently beaten and raped. And that woman was an older widow. She was white. And according to her, the man who broke in and raped her was black. Ronnie, who's a black man, was 20 years old at the time. He was ultimately charged and convicted of this crime, despite there being no evidence that linked him to the scene. Uh, he was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences for rape and burglary uh, by an all-white jury in a mostly segregated town. Uh, there's been many developments since the case. Uh, it's been revealed that there's been evidence that would have freed Ronnie from blame that was actually withheld during the case. It's a complex, heart-wrenching story uh, about a man who's was wrongfully convicted, who was robbed of a majority of his life, but we are lucky enough to have Ronnie, who's now 64 years old. He's on the line today to talk about the case, his life in prison, and the ultimate outcome today, 44 years after being convicted of a crime that he did not commit. So Ronnie, thank you so much for being on the show today. Nah, man, it's my pleasure, man. I appreciate y'all having me. Of course. So it's going to be impossible, you know, for the most part to cover every detail of this case in just this conversation. Uh, but we will make sure that listeners, viewers have all the resources they need to further explore the details. But Ronnie, can you start out by talking about what was going through your mind at the time that you were an innocent 20 year old that was being charged with a rape that you did not commit? I mean, you understand, uh, you take a man that ain't never been in a situation to that degree of dealing with the uh, judicial system and you've been accused of something that you know you ain't had anything to do with, it's kind of mind-boggling, you understand, saying, to the point of you wonder whether or not people can do this and get away with it. 20-year-old, you understand, saying, I had never had really <clears throat> any dealings with the local authorities because I'm, I'm not a career criminal. I've never been incarcerated until this time. Uh, I have no prior convictions. Growing up, you understand, saying as a teenager, man, you understand, saying I was pretty popular in school. I played three sports. Uh, I ain't never had no problem, you understand, saying with getting to know people understanding people and relating to people. Uh, <clears throat> to be accused of a crime so heinous at a young age during these times that we're talking about in the 70s now. We're not talking about here in 2020 because things are totally different now than they were back in the 70s. Like you say, 
in a town that's more or less like polarized, it's more or less like uh, racially segregated. You understand what I'm saying? So, uh, if it had been in the 60s or 50s, and I had been accused of the crime that they accused me of, we wouldn't be having this conversation here today. <clears throat> so, I, when, when, when they... Like, what was the, the narrative they used to even convict you? Like, why did they pick you out of anyone else? Like, how did they sort of link you to this? It was, uh, <clears throat> a couple of times, you understand, I don't remember less, the crime happened on, a, on, a, on Union Street. It's a street in Concord called Union Street. <clears throat> and on Union Street, man, you have mostly upper the middle class uh whites the street adjacent to union street is spring street i was seeing a girl on spring street and a couple of nights you understand saying they they see me it's around 12 12 30 at night and they see me coming from this girl house but it's in this same area they questioned me as the you understand saying where am i coming from you understand saying so i had to take them back to the girl's house that I uh, just come from. So that was really all that they they had essentially was you in the kind of general area where the crime was committed. And well, yeah, but I mean, you understand? Said this was before the crime was committed. Mm. Yeah, this was before the crime was committed. Uh, <clears throat> see, my thing with leather, I used to wear a lot of leather, leather jackets, leather gloves, leather hats. You understand? So I used to wear. Uh, a lot of leather and, and and the description that the woman gave of the perpetrator was a light-skinned yellow black man that wore black leather jacket a dark colored hat blue jeans <clears throat> me being in that area you understand saying a couple times at night you understand saying been back doing in the 70s you know what i mean the first thing a white police or a white officer would ask you is what are you doing in this area? You know what I mean? That's just the first thing that they would ask you. I mean, why are you up here? Do you know anybody in this area? You understand? Know so I had got seen coming from this girl house uh, a couple of times. You understand? Know so that put me on the radar. So do you 100% agree that race had a factor in this um because from from what i understand with the case itself you know it's it's an all-white jury um you know and they're kind of creating this narrative against you with you know no real hard evidence so it seems like it didn't possibly take a lot to kind of convince this jury that you were guilty you i know let's not forget the fact let's not forget that we're talking about something that happened in the 70s mm. <clears throat> Race did racism play a major role in in, in my conviction? <laughs> Ain't no doubt. Mm -hmm. Ain't no doubt. I mean, I got convicted by an all white jury that was sent to the courtroom by the chief of police in that county. The chief of police took the master lists of prospective jurors and started deleting names off the master lists just then for me to pick a pool from. He sent me a tainted, he sent me a tainted pool for me to pick a panel from. 
out of 50 jurors, he sent me two to three blacks. My question was, you understand, saying the percentage of the blacks in this county, why is it, you understand, saying that I ain't got but three or two out of 50? I wanted to see the master lists that the prospective jurors was on. I found out later on, I mean, I don't find out that later on, man, you understand, saying that the jury or the, the, the jury pool that he sent me up there was tainted, man. The man, you understand, saying, uh, Pick the pick, pick the pool itself. The chief of police picked the pool itself. Mm. After after the DA dismissed the three blacks, I'm left with whites. You understand? Saying to put on the jury, and the judge refused to squash the whole pool. He refused to do that. Race did race play a part in my conviction? You got a 20 year old black man accused of sexually assaulting a prestigious, influential pillar of the community in the 70s in front of a white judge a white da a white victim and 12 white jurors a trial a trial that wasn't no trial that was a modernized the only thing that was missing was the rope in the tree I mean, you're going to be realistic about the thing. I mean, come on now. I didn't have a chance. You understand what I'm saying? I'm sitting there. You understand? I'm sitting. I'm, and these are the odds that I'm up, up against. So, yeah, race played a major factor in this case. All of the things that you just said, did you know that at 20 when you're sitting in the courtroom looking across at the all-white jury that this is probably not going to go well for me? <laughs> oh, shit. Damn right. <laughs> hey look man I mean I'm, I'm looking at the situation here and I mean I had told my people you understand saying that I'm going to the penitentiary I'm going to this penitentiary you understand ain't no if and bust about it look, I mean look at the odds that I'm up against were the life sentences shocking did you think that you know you would have a more of a chance to even if you did get convicted to get out or did you expect that in 1976, when I was picked up, all capital offenses carried a death sentence. They charged me with two capital offenses, first degree burglary and first degree rape. I was facing a death sentence. I had already been informed that they were going to try me for my life. So can you, I was just going to fast forward a little bit and just, you know, just you're sitting in that chair and you kind of know it's going to go a certain way. And then, you know, the judge finally reads your sentence and you're doing life in prison. Like what is going through your head at that moment at 20 years old? <laughs> what am I, uh, what have I got myself into? What is this? How am I going to deal with this situation? They sending me to a place I don't know anything about. How am I going to adjust to this? My mindset was either do or die. Life sentence. Me understanding the life sentence at 20 year old, 21 year old. I'm thinking I'll never get to see the street again. I'm thinking I'll never see the outside world again. 
after I fully, after being in the system, then fully understanding, you understand what kind of sentence they had given me. I felt as though you understand that I live or die. That all my mindset, live or die. I'll yeah, never see it. the street again. It's obviously so unbelievable to imagine being in those circumstances, but you know, I guess you're right. It's it's like that just kind of starts the journey, right? Now you have to go to prison as a 20 year old, and and like you said, it's just kind of survival mode kicks in because now you have to survive in this totally new place. You know, they sent me, they sent me to the worst penitentiary in the state of North Carolina. They sent me to the walls. That's what they called it in Raleigh, in Central Prison. Back in the 70s, wasn't nothing behind the wall but fought of the life and death. That was it. The wall was where they executed people in North Carolina who had death sentences. Death Row was in behind the walls at Central Prison. How did you begin to, ad sorry, I was just going to say, how do you begin to adjust as a 20-year-old uh, going to a place like that? You know, do you kind of remember those early years where, where you know, you kind of settled in understanding, you know, I'm not, I'm not leaving this place anytime soon, so I'm going to have to figure out how to live here? I'm, I'm at the county. I'm fresh out the county one week. I hadn't been out the county one week. They sent me to Central Prison. I'm in Central Prison. I'm in my cell. I'm sleep. I hear people running on the till. I look up to see a man run past my cell, two other men chasing him. They killed that man right there in front of my cell. I ain't been out the county for one week. I believe in signs. I felt it though, the superior being, that force that's greater than man wanted me to see just how serious my situation was, just how serious my environment was. This is life or death, man. This is do or die. This ain't no about no in-between. This shit is for real. And in the 70s, you understand saying, I mean, I'm pretty sure y'all don't see penitentiaries, man, you understand saying back then, you understand, and, and listen, and listen, your mindset had to be one way, and that was it, do or die. I either come here to survive or I come here to die. That's simple as that, man. While you were in your cell, I mean, you're doing, you did 44 years, um, during that time, did you ever feel like, did you ever have hope that, you know, it would it would get reversed or that you would get out or, like, did you just kind of feel like I'm gonna die in this place? Yep. <laughs> hey, look. I mean, you know, you know, after after a while, you know, what I mean, you do five years, you know, stand sitting out the wild, like that five turn into ten, ten turn into fifteen, fifteen turn into twenty, twenty turn into twenty five. You start to think, you understand, know saying, man, is this it? Is this my final destination here? You understand saying? If this is my final destination here, you understand saying? Then this is what I got to do 
in order to survive in this kind of environment. But not one time did I ever believe that these people could ever get away with this and it not be revealed. I've always felt, you understand, saying that one day the truth is going to be told. The only thing I got to do is survive these adverse conditions and be able to tell my story. But I've always had, from the beginning, I've always had supporters. I've always had people, you understand, saying that within the community that knew me, that you understand, that believed in me, that knew, you understand, saying that this was not nothing, they didn't have anything to do with me. And I've always had supporters, you understand, saying so that within itself with the superior being, the inspiration, that divine inspiration and the support that I had, you understand, saying, kept me on a positive note the way I've always had faith that one day the truth was going to be told. It's crazy, man, like to talk about, you know, having a, a strong kind of bulletproof mindset. You know, you're, you're sitting there year five, year 10, year 15, year 20, year 30, year 40, like still holding on to that hope uh, and belief that this will be revealed, you know, that, that justice in, in a way will be served because, you know, you can be exonerated and, and you will be able to tell your story. And it's just, uh, you know, crazy for us hearing that to, to be sitting with you here today, now 64 years old, you know, finally being able to tell that story, finally, you know, being released and, and getting your name cleared essentially. Uh, but, you know, again, like to, talk about the patience and and the perseverance that that takes you know you put in 44 years and and still held on to hope and that's uh it's crazy man that's it's just inspiring to hear um that that you were able to keep that mindset up despite everything you you put yourself in a situation where really you don't have too many options you don't have too many options either you do or you don't you give in, you give out. You give out, you give up. And back yeah. then, back then, back then, I mean, it was about survival, man. It was about survival. Are, are you angry during this time? Are you filled with hate? Is it, do you, did you find forgiveness in prison? Like, I'm trying to imagine how complex the emotions that come along with this are and you know how did you begin to kind of come to terms with what happened to you and, and your reality um you know aside from obviously knowing that day in and day out it's it's survival mode you know you have to you gotta protect yourself you have to have a strong mindset you have to survive but you know the emotions around the trial around the people who accused you around the jury you know what, what type of feelings you know did you have and do you have now during this time you you i mean you look at the players, you look at all the players that's in the game. I mean, you talking about four corrupt Concord police detectives who had made it up in their mind, who had got it set. They had, they had already made it up in their mind that I was going to be the man that was going to wear the case. I was going to be the man to go to jail. They had already made their mind up. The victim, I feel as though 
something was really done to this woman. And these four corrupt detectives use me as an scapegoat. If you look at me and go back and read the description that the victim gave to the police on the night of the assault, that and it don't fit me nowhere, no what whatsoever. Ain't nothing about the description that she gave matched me then. I feel as though the woman, you understand, saying something was done to this woman. And these four corrupt police officers put me in front of her and brainwashed her to believe that I was the man that assaulted her. I mean, you got a lot of players in this, you understand, saying, and you talking about my mindset as I went through the years of being behind the walls or being behind the fence. And I'm thinking about the people that put me there. Sure. You experience animosity. You experience a distaste. A bitter taste for those who have wronged you. But I knew I had to come in, in, in order to defeat them, in order to beat them, I knew I had to beat this. And that superior being saw that the truth be told. Now, so far as being angry, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in a system that failed me. I'm disappointed in a system that it took me 44 years to prove my innocence with the type of evidence that I had. In all state courts here in the state of North Carolina, every state court that I appealed to denied me and didn't have no grounds and rules to stand on for why they were the rulers that they were making. They didn't have no law to support what they were doing. In the North Carolina Supreme Court, you got seven judges. I appealed my case to these seven judges. My case ended up in a three, three, Ty, how is that? Where's the other judge at? Why won't he make a decision? He wouldn't make no decision. He retired without making a decision. The documents speak for themselves. You ain't got to take my word for it. I put all my legal documents online. And the reason I put them online because I wanted people to see the injustice, the racial discrimination that was being done to me by the state of North Carolina. When, when you finally got the news that you were going to get out, like, can you kind of describe that day and sort of how you were feeling at that time? Man, this ain't happening. This ain't happening. This day has finally come. The superior being, the superior force, God, Jehovah, Allah, Adonai, Yahweh, whatever you want to call it, then smile down on me. 
then gave me an opportunity you understand, to return to the streets. Now is my time to tell my story, to tell my part, to show that I am too was raped. I was raped by the criminal justice system in the state of North Carolina. Now believe whether or not they are innocent or guilty. I think it's um, you know hard not to point out that despite being in prison for 44 years, you're released at pretty much the same time that nationwide protests for racial justice, the conversation around systemic racism, unjust treatment of black Americans is the prominent conversation in the country right now, right? And that's 44 years after, right around basically the same time that you're getting out. What effect, if any, you know, does, does seeing that and being released into that environment have on you? It's a continuation of something, you understand, saying that always happened. What was, what's going on out there now, you understand? Black lives matter, all that. That's what's going on now. Black lives didn't matter. Black lives always matter. All lives matter. This ain't something, you understand, saying that just a start occurring. It's always been open season on people of color. The United States right now has more people of color behind bars than any other country. This ain't something that just happened. George Floyd ain't the first black man that ever had a white man's knee on his neck. White supremacy has always been a thorn in people of color sides. This ain't something that's brand new. It's been candy coated. It's always happened. And people that are well of politics, the political aspect, they know. That's why it's important that a lot of people get out, cash your ballot, vote. That's why that's important. People died for you to have that right. Exercise that right. Judicial reform here in this state is essential. So how how can, like, you know, in your situation, you know, this has happened. I've heard it, you know, numerous times before that this is happening, people being wrongfully uh, convicted. How does the government or, like, the state right its wrong? Like, you were robbed of 44 years of your life, your youth, and most of your adulthood. Like, do they compensate you in any way? I've been out the system now two months. I'm still trying to get food stamps. You done took my life. I'm 65. <laughs> hey, I'm 65. Hey, you kept saying I was 64. I'm gonna let you go ahead and ride with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm 65, man. This hey y'all. Uh, Man, I ain't got an apology. You know what I mean? I mean, I ain't, 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 I ain't even got a, ain't nobody even come to me and said, uh, 
we made a mistake, we were wrong. No amount of conversation can uh, replace the 44 years that we took out your life. The only thing I can do now, man, is try to live comfortable, whatever little time I got left on the face of this earth. Uh, I got a family, I got a family, and uh, I'm hoping that the governor will have some kind of compassion in his heart to see the injustice that was done here and uh, do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, if if you hear this and you're not getting angry, uh, I think something's wrong with you, to be honest. But it's, you know, at the same time, it's, it is inspiring and it is good to hear that that's your outlook um, because, you know, I guess in this case, while I'm sure there's, you know, potentially anger that, you know, you may never get over, you know, the, the approach that you have now to enjoy this time that you do get and to just tell your story and you tell it so well. I mean, I think we're both here just kind of, uh, in, in awe of, you know, <laughs> how you, how you're able to break the story down and, and explain this to us. So, you know, it's, it's good to hear that you've, uh, kind of got this, positive outlook for you know the the freedom that you have now and, and the time that you do have left i can't i can't i mean life is short man man don't nobody know how many days or how many hours or seconds they have on the face of this earth man i can't walk around you understand with a lot of bitterness in my heart right now you know even though man i mean i feel it though man i was done i mean Horrible, horrible. I mean, you hear people, man, you understand, saying lies being taken, you understand, saying you hear people, you know, and suffering and injustices. And I can't walk around with a whole lot of bitterness in my heart, man, you understand, saying, because I don't know how much time I got left on the face of this earth, man. So, I mean, I'm hoping. that God will smile down on me again and grant me a better life. Absolutely. And, you know, it's crazy to think like that with, with wrongful convictions like this and, you know, the, the statistic that I pulled up, it was from the Innocence Project. Uh, their conservative estimate is that there's about 20,000 innocent people right now in prison in America. And it's, you know, hard to fathom. It's hard to kind of believe that number. Uh, but, you know, in, in your case, where so much of your time is spent in prison, you're, you're kind of removed from being able to, like, interact with the modern world, right? You're sort of, like, on the sidelines of the game while it progresses in real time. And I'm just curious, like, getting out now at 64 or 65, we'll stick with 64 for you. But uh, what what were some of the things that, really stood out to you when you did get out? You know, things that maybe had changed that you weren't aware of. When I was in the street, right, if you wanted to go to the health department, welfare department, 
You pulled up in your car, got out of your car, and walked straight in. I understand that COVID-19 has a lot of things play a, like, a major role in the way things are going on out here today. Uh, I call for appointments, you know, see a doctor and check up, physical, uh, state ID, uh, trying to see so everything, every time I call <laughs> into the play, I'm talking to a record. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I was asked the same question three times. And guess what that was? My name. <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, I know technology done took over. I mean, it done took over, man. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of robots out there now. Yeah, I'm telling you, they don't <laughs> took, took people's jobs and everything. And I mean, it's booming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, like I say, when I left the street, man, they were driving 55 and 65. Not a speed limit. Not, man, they running 80 and 90. Mm -hmm. That's how fast they're moving out there now. I mean, I, it's 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 complicated for me, but I got a wife, huh? Look, I got a wife that's knowledgeable. She bought me a shirt, right? Look, look, look. She bought me a shirt, and the shirt say, "Uh, I don't need Google." <laughs> Cause my wife know everything. There you go. <laughs> and, and she gave me that shirt and made me wear that shirt, man. Listen, <laughs> but it's because of her, listen, that I'm abreast to a lot of things that's going on out here in the street now. Yeah, she keep me on point. She keep me on point. Uh, she was my number one fan when I was locked up. She been with me now eight years. Uh, I feel as though that's another blessing that God, that your creator give me, put in my life. Uh, I've always been surrounded by people, you understand, saying that, that had a compassion in their heart for other people. They are in destitute circumstances. So I'm blessed to be here. I'm blessed to have a wife that I have. I'm blessed to have a family that I got. I'm blessed to have the support that I have. The media has always been my voice to the masses. Without the media and the superior being, you don't forget that, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in now. People wouldn't know of my situation. People know of my situation because of what the media did to make my injustice known. So now that like you're saying like you speak through the media, like if you know you if anyone, you know, who's listening to this knows somebody in a in a situation that's similar to yours, like do you have a message for, for anyone or for any like just anybody out there? Like your your whole take on the situation I think is is really positive and unique. Um, so do you have a message for anyone that is kind of going through something really bad and, um, you know, do you have any words for them? A hurdle, an obstacle, a difficult time. It's only an opportunity for you to advance 
irregardless of how many times you've been ignored, irregardless of how many times the doors have been slammed in your face every time, irregardless of how many times people have told you no. Never give up on your dreams. Never give up on your hope. Never give up on your faith. Always believe that you can overcome any obstacle if you put your mind and your heart to it. Believe in yourself if you don't believe in nobody or nothing else. Believe in yourself. Believe that you can overcome and persevere. Well, that means a lot coming from you and the situation that you've been in. So, you know, we can't thank you enough for taking the time out to share this story with us. We're, you know, honored to be able to share it with our listeners and our viewers. And like we said in the beginning, we'll make sure that, you know, they have all the resources, all the links, everything to, you know, find out all the details that they need. But, uh, you know, seriously, we're, you know, we're, I think, in awe right now of, you know, both this story but how you've just handled your circumstances in general um it's it's rare it's extremely inspiring and we can't thank you enough i'm gonna leave you with this man i'm still going through a struggle even though i'm outside the fences i'm outside the walls i'm still struggling like i told you man i mean right now i'm still trying to get food stamps out of social service man I'm trying to get disability, man, you understand, sense of where these people can understand that I'm still trying to get a pardon to be compensated for the years that were taken from me. Right now, me and my family are surviving on uh, donations from people that send $5 a dollar, you know what I mean? I appreciate that. Right now, I got a GoFundMe page, man. I want you to let people know, you understand, saying that I appreciate the donation to go to my Go GoFundMe page, man. You understand, saying that it helped me, you understand, saying and me and my family until I can get this governor to recognize my situation, man, and pardon me like he's supposed to. Absolutely, and that's something that we'll be sharing. Um, if if you're watching, we'll have that kind of pop up uh, towards the end when me and Joe are giving our final thoughts and we'll put it in the uh, description and the episode notes uh, uh, if you're listening to the episode as well, just to make sure that people can find that and, and check everything out. Thank you for coming on, man. We really appreciate you uh, sharing your story. Hey, listen, uh, I appreciate y'all granting me the platform to speak from. I appreciate you letting me uh, be able to tell my story. We just appreciate you coming on, man, and taking the time. Thank you. Okay. Y'all be you. good, man. Y'all be good, man. You too. Have a good one. Before we get to our final thoughts, we do have some sponsors for today's show. The first one being Honey. Honey is a free browser extension um, that kind of goes out on the internet for you and finds the best coupons and saves you the most money on whatever you're buying um, with select sites. But there's sites like Amazon, Best Buy, Sephora, these sites, big sites that you could be saving a lot of money on. Um, they have over 17 million members and they've helped those 17 million members save over $2 billion in savings. I can say as someone who uses Honey, like I just have it in my browser and I forget about it, but anytime I'm shopping, a little thing pops up and it's like apply coupons and you're saving money. So it's doing a job for you that you otherwise probably wouldn't do. Um, and who doesn't like saving money? I mean, you'd be crazy not to, especially because Honey is free. Um, and it's it downloads very quickly 
couple seconds, honestly, like two clicks or whatever it is. Um, you go to joinhoney.com slash OPL and you can get it for free. And um, yeah, just start saving money. I mean, the holidays are coming up, so you could be saving a lot of money um, just like that. Shopping for, you know, tech, gaming sites, fashion brands, even food delivery. Um, so yeah, go check out Honey. Again, it's joinhoney.com slash OPL. Um, again, joinhoney.com slash OPL. Start saving your money. We also have Native. Uh, Native is the perf- perfect addition to your daily routine this holiday season. Um, they make deodorants that don't just block o- odor. Uh, they're made better. So they have ingredients you've heard of like coconut oil, shea butter. Um, and they're vegan. They're never tested on animals, um, but they're great. And they have uh, their candy cane gift set also makes for a great uh, gift option. And all Native products are a great stocking stuffer for everyone on your list. I mean, you know, we're going to be putting these things on our bodies. So you want them to be organically made and not you know, there's weird things hidden in them like aluminum or parabens or anything like that. Um, they're risk-free to try. Every product comes with a free shipping within the U.S. plus 30-day uh, free returns and exchanges. Um, they have over 14,000 five-star reviews. Um, so they're great. And uh, this holiday season, it's a perfect thing to, like like you know I said, stocking stuffers. Um, it's great to, to put them in there. And they have great scents also. Um, you know, I the one that I have is a vanilla and coconut. It's like my favorite thing ever. I want to bite the thing and eat it. It's so good. Um, but yeah, give the gift of native by going to nativedo.com slash OPL or use the promo code OPL at checkout and get 20% off of your first order. Okay. Make sure you order before December 7th. So you get your products in time for Christmas. Um, that is nativedeo.com slash OPL or use the promo code OPL at checkout. Um, get to it. Great Christmas gift. Okay. Again, one more time, nativedo.com slash OPL. I don't know what to say. I I don't know if there's anything to say. I've never, I've never felt this way before, like recording an episode. Like I, I, I had nothing to say. Full disclosure, me and Greg text on the computer during uh episodes so if you ever see us typing we're talking to each other just like so we're like keeping on path and whatever he had to feed me two questions because i was like i don't know what to say because like i just i couldn't i i'm just listening just the way that he speaks and just like the story and then just like all these things are just running through your mind and i don't know i'm like a very emotional person i guess so this just kind of like hit me like a fucking train and it's just like I I don't do it. I don't. I have no idea what to say. I I just the, the, the fact that this guy because before we started this, I said to Greg, I'm like, I definitely want to ask him like if he ever like gave up. I was just like, oh dude, I'm I'm 25 years in. Like this isn't gonna happen. I'm just gonna die in this prison. And to hear that he was just like, no, like every day I was like, they're gonna they're not gonna get away with this. Like the truth's gonna come out. That's fucking. In, that's insane to me that you could be that like strong-willed and just really believe in that and in something when you just were for no reason just robbed of 44 years of your life just because like dude oh my god yeah it's just you know he i don't know i don't know what there is to say because he just said it all and he said it all so well and it's like advice like that you know, the, the things like don't give up, follow your dreams, believe in yourself, the things that get 
so thrown around and overused in a, in a way hearing those words and what they're really supposed to mean you know coming from someone who has truly gone through obstacles and hurdles that we can't imagine he was robbed of 44 years of his life that's his youth that's his adulthood that that's his that's most of his adulthood like you you didn't just miss your 20s or 30s you missed your 40s your 50s and half of your 60s like he right how much time you know does he have left it's a fraction compared to what what his life should have been uh as as a free man so you know just to hear those words coming from people you know have been through those circumstances and are still going through those struggles it just makes it mean so much more and and like you said it just it just hits so hard you know and it's so powerful and and he is just so eloquent and, and like it's just beautiful listening to him talk and I think be so sure of himself and his circumstances. And, you know, it's just that, that to me is just a a rare person and it's, I'm happy that he gets to share his story. I'm so happy that we got to have him on the show so that, you know, people can listen to, you know, the, the words, not just about his case and the details, but hear the words straight from him, you know, about, about yeah. his mindset, about what he's feeling and about where he's at now. Yeah. Cause I think that you hear a lot of stories about people being wrongfully convicted and maybe you see a picture or something, but to hear his experience and to hear his voice and the way that he talks about it, you re- you can hear how painful, just how fucked up it is, dude. Like how fucked up that is. And Honestly, part of me just gets filled with rage thinking about people who, especially nowadays, are able to just write write it off and just be like, no, that doesn't happen. Or like, oh, yeah, okay, let's just blame racism. Like, I don't know how you can hear stories like that and be like, yeah, no, that just doesn't happen anymore. Like, yo, it was the 70s. It wasn't fucking 1840. Mm-hmm. Like... That was not that long ago mm-hmm. in our, like in a lifetime. You know what I mean? This guy's alive still. Like this just happened to him 40 years ago. Do you think there's been a right? Re- like it just makes me so mad that people just could write it off, you know, because for the most part, I think a lot of people just live in their bubbles and they only know their environment. And then they look up statistics on a computer screen and it's like people aren't fucking numbers. So yeah. it's very different. And when you're able to have a story like this be told, like I am so happy we, we this is my, this episode could be the most meaningful episode we've ever done because of the timing as well. Just being able to hear it from him and be faced with the pain in his voice and the experience of just, this actually happened to this guy. You know, this isn't yeah. a fucking number on a screen. It's not politically charged. It's just, it's what fucking happened, you know, and it happens. It happens all the time. Yeah, it's true. It's with the timing, you know, there's so many voices in this symphony of voices right now. It's it's all we hear, all we hear now. It's just these conversations, these debates, these voices, people throwing their opinion into the mix. And, and it's just almost refreshing in a sense to just hear like you said this isn't just politically charged this is i don't know what to tell you other than this is the fact and this is the truth and this is what happened to me and like you said i'm, I'm a human i'm not a number and 
it's just so important to hear because you know you're right the the truth gets so muddled these days facts uh, we don't know if they're facts like we don't know what truth is half the time anymore when when we're consuming media when we're consuming statistics and things like that um, because there's so many voices in the mix so many people so many voices with agendas and just to be able to stop and hear this story and and it's just undeniable the injustice that he went through the racial profiling that he went through the racism he experienced like these things cannot be disputed in, in this case so again man just wow I, I i agree with you i think uh i'm so happy that that we get to put this out for for people to discover and, and hear that it it means a lot to me like i know it means a lot to you and it's like these moments where you know i'm just really proud of this platform that that we're able to attract those type of people man it's it's so cool yeah um you know without going on a i'm just gonna kind of end it there because my mind is like scrambling right there because uh, you know there's just so much i want to say but yeah I'm you look like you're about on a rant an angry joe rant is coming but yeah i'm gonna go on into the living room and scream into a pillow but for anyone out there who feels like they have something uh that fits for the show don't hesitate to reach out to us. Um, go to OPLshow.com, fill out the contact form, and send us an email. And uh, if it works, we'll schedule something out. We'll hit you up. Yes, and uh, I also just want to shout out Ronnie's GoFundMe page. It's GoFundMe.com uh, slash Welcome Ronnie Home. We'll make sure the uh, URL pops up there. Uh, so definitely check that out. Uh, we'll also, in the description, drop a bunch of links about the case so that you guys can find out more. Um, I do want to say that this uh, episode was, well, we were able to record this episode thanks to some help um, from a podcast, pod, podcast, I should know the word podcast by now, a podcast called Unjust and Unsolved. Uh, their host, Maggie Freeling, investigates cases of people who have been wrongfully incarcerated. So Ronnie also has an episode with her on that podcast. And you could check that show out because it every episode is a new story of someone wrongfully incarcerated uh, that, that was then freed. So thank you for them to reaching out, uh, connecting us to Ronnie so that we could do this episode and, and get that story out there. Uh, but yeah, check that out as well. Check us out on Instagram at OPL Podcast. Become a patron at patreon.com slash OPL show. And that is all we got. That's all. See you guys next time.